A Boeing 737-800 NG jet operated by China Eastern Airlines crashed in a southwestern Chinese province. The airline is grounding the Boeing planes. And I'll talk with Graham Meyer, who writes Crane's weekly big ticket column to discuss upcoming arts and culture events you won't want to miss. Big show coming in. It's going to be here for three months. It's the musical story of the wives of King Henry VIII. The six refers to his six wives. This sounds fascinating. I never thought I would hear King Henry VIII and rock musical in the same sentence, but here we are. I know it's a crazy idea, right? And I feel like Hamilton really paved the way for this sort of reclaiming of history in a totally different musical idiom. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Tuesday, March 22nd. When it comes to a professional like your doctor or lawyer, you want someone who knows you well. Wintrust believes you should have the same relationship with your banker, someone you can call directly and know they'll understand your concerns. Thousands of local business owners called their Wintrust banker when they needed Paycheck Protection Program loans. They called, Wintrust answered, and helped more than 11,000 local businesses secure funding. Learn more at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. I'm joined by Graham Meyer, who writes the weekly big ticket arts and events column for Cranes, here to talk about can't miss events for the month ahead. Welcome back, Graham. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Lots coming up in the months ahead. There's some of these things are stretching into the summer, which I can't believe we're already here. But let's start by talking about what's happening at the Adler Planetarium. The Spectral Quartet, they are a string quartet in Chicago. They are super fun and interesting. They have the highest ability, great chops for playing all kinds of music. And they're very interesting programmers and they have a great sense of humor. They even recorded a whole album called Serious Business that contained music that had jokes of one form or another. They are putting on a brand new piece called Enigma at the Adler Planetarium in one of the theaters there. The piece is by an Icelandic composer named Anna Thorvald's daughter, uh, who is a really big deal now. They started working with her a long time ago. This was originally going to be in the uh, spring of 2020. And well before that, they got in touch with her and commissioned this piece. And in the time that she's been working on this piece and they've been working to bring it to performance, she's gotten really big in the new music world. She has commissions from the New York Philharmonic and the Berlin Philharmonic. And right here in Chicago are a little local string quartet. So it's a, a great privilege to have this brand new work of hers here. And it also has a video art component that will be projected on the ceiling slash screen of the planetarium theater that is essential to the work also. So it's sort of spacey and it's a live string quartet. And it's one of our great musical groups in the city right now that not everybody knows about. How interesting. I love this kind of visual component to it. I saw a preview of it uh, when they had one or two movements done back before the pandemic. And it was really cool. 
the the visual aspect really draws you in and gives you just this interior sense when you're watching it. You know, you, you really feel like it's big and small at the same time. I think they said intimate and epic when they were talking to me about it. And I would also say that if you're thinking about going to this, you should buy your tickets fast because they're only going to sell 195 seats for each of the four performances. So it's very limited. All right. I feel like you, you, you usually come to us with those kind of things of like, and buy your ticket right now. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, the, I feel like what good is a an arts and culture column if it's telling you about things that are sold out? So I want to get people into the things they might want to see. Definitely, definitely. All right, let's talk about the Sound of Silent Film Festival. Yes, Access Contemporary Music is a group in Chicago that has a bunch of different arms of what they do. They have a new music composers collective They try out new pieces and give composers a chance to hear their work played by good musicians while it's still in progress. They also have music schools around the city. The biggest one is in Ravenswood, and my kids actually go to that school, interestingly enough. And they run a concert series. Uh, One of their biggest and most successful concert ideas is the Sound of Silent Film Festival, which they've been doing for something like 17 years. And they pick silent movies, modern silent movies, And they commission composers from their collective to write scores for them. Then they screen the films and play the music live uh, together in performance. And it's really fun. It has been at smaller venues. They started at one of the small places at the Chopin Theater. And it was, you know, a big party when they did it there. Um, And now they've moved into the Music Box Theater, a much larger uh, venue. And they will be doing this on April 16th live. They'll also have streaming after that, but it will just be the one performance live at the Music Box. Several years ago, I saw a live score performance of Get Out. So they played the film and then this orchestra was in front of this screen playing it and it added so much and it was so interesting to see it that way. So I think this sounds very cool, but there was dialogue happening in the movie. You could hear the dialogue, but the idea of just a a modern silent film, I think that's very interesting. Yeah, it's a really cool idea because it's a bringing the music into a more the forefront. It's, it makes it an equal partner, sort of similarly to Enigma at the Adler, the one we were just talking about. A lot of film music is made to be a background, but this is made to be as important a, a artistic object as the film itself. All right, well, let's move to Broadway in Chicago and Six. Yeah, this is a big show, big show coming in. It's going to be here for three months. It's the musical story of the wives of King Henry VIII, the six refers to his six wives, and it is a rock musical feminist reclaiming of their story. So each of them can deliver her own story, and the audience comes to recognize them as independent women as themselves, and not only as these wives who were, you know, cast aside or beheaded. They all wear these really spangly, bright colored costumes and they sing these big power ballads and they're all trying to one up uh, one another. And it's really active and fun and it has uh, been a big hit already in New York. Uh, It is a short, no intermission, high energy show. So uh, a lot of uh, teenagers, especially teenage girls have found that the show really resonates with them. Even before, it was one of those shows where it was about to open on Broadway when the pandemic arrived, and there were all these people super excited about it and people standing in line for tickets who knew all the words from watching it on YouTube. 
but now it has actually opened on Broadway and it was here also. Some people may recognize it already because it did its North American premiere at the Shakespeare Theater in 2019. And it was a big hit here and was a, a hot ticket back then. This sounds fascinating. I never thought I would hear King Henry VIII and rock musical in the same sentence, but here we are. I know it's a crazy idea, right? And I feel like Hamilton really paved the way for this sort of reclaiming of history in a totally different musical idiom. Absolutely. All right. So that's called Six, and it is March 29th through July 3rd. All right. Moving to Folks Operetta. Yes. Folks Operetta is a very cool group. They were previously called Chicago Folks Operetta. People might recognize their name in that. Now they're Folks Operetta, having dropped the Chicago. They're a group that is dedicated to the preservation of light opera or operetta, which was very popular in the early 20th century, but you don't see a lot of it today. Sometimes an opera company will put on um, Deflator Mouse or The Merry Widow, but those are the ones that we're most uh, familiar with now. There was a whole group of composers who composed light opera and operetta back in that era who are largely forgotten today. Folks Operetta works really hard at putting up shows that will appeal to a more modern sensibility. They often do new translations. They always uh, make uh, new costumes, new productions. It's always a big project for them to put on these things. But because many of them have been forgotten for years, they're often putting on the Chicago premiere or even the American premiere of some of these shows. So on April 7th and 9th at the Logan Center at the University of Chicago, they are going to perform Di Catrine, which is an opera. They call it an opera rather than an operetta by Eric Wolfgang Korngold. He's well known as a film composer. He also wrote a lot of concert music, has an excellent violin concerto. You might recognize some of his work in some Errol Flynn swashbuckler movies from way back in the golden age of cinema, uh, the Robin Hood that Errol Flynn was in and Captain Blood and, and things like that he wrote music for. So in his concert music career, he did write some operas. This opera, Di Catrine, is about a servant girl who falls in love with a, a singer who's on military service and sort of their trials and tribulations. They will be performing it in German. They do sometimes do new translations of old dusty translations. They'll perform this one in German and there will be a full size 60 plus piece orchestra playing for them. Wow. This is going to be a whole, a whole thing. Yeah. I should add that they're part of a, a larger festival of the music of Corn Gold that's at the UFC where they're going to be talking about him in a scholarly context and putting on some of his concert music also. Um, there's another concert where James Ennis will play that violin concerto that I was referring to uh, right around then. It's it's uh, the first week and a half of April or so. April 7th and 9th at Logan Center at U of C. So definitely jump on that one, folks. Okay, and then we go to Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh, another one that will be here for a longer run. It's in a new musical stage adaptation. And this is, according to the creator of the show, the first musical stage adaptation of Winnie the Pooh, which for such a beloved character for so long seems just amazing to me. Yeah, They uh, put together a whole show where the characters, uh, all the familiar Winnie the Pooh characters, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet and Owl and Eeyore and so forth, will all be on stage as very large puppets. And the puppeteers stand behind the puppets and operate them and voice them. So you can see the puppeteers as they're doing this. The creator of the show says that 
especially for kids watching this, if the puppeteers are very skilled, that they, they sort of melt into the background, even though they're right there in full view and you just see the puppets coming to life. The musical uh, material in the show has the Sherman Brothers songs that people know and love from the Disney shorts uh, from the 50s and 60s. And it also has some new music that's been created for this show in a similar idiom from some of the uh, light verse that's in the original A.A. Milne stories. Pooh has these things. They're called his hums in the stories. And uh, one of them people might know is uh, Coddleston Pie. I don't actually know whether they've done the Coddleston Pie thing uh, in, in the show, but that's an example of the verse. There's that thing, a fly can't bird, but a bird can fly. Ask me a question and I reply, Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston Pie which is sort of a famous verse, but not necessarily famous as famous as a, as a song. So they uh, have done this show in New York City. It was very successful in New York City. And most of the New York cast, some local cast, are opening the show here. During the course of the run, they're likely to replace some of the New York performers with local performers. And then the New Yorkers will go back to New York because they're going to reopen the show in the summer. And yeah, as you said, this is a long run. This is March 15th through June 12th. Yeah, three months at the Mercury Theater in in Lakeview. Lots going on. All right. Well, always a pleasure, Graham. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Coming up, Nielsen rejects a $9 billion takeover offer from a private equity consortium. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Cranes invites all general counsels, chief legal officers, and senior in-house counsels to our general counsel breakfast on May 17th. The event will feature Chicago's top general counsels offering perspective on current legal trends in business and litigation. Plus, our exclusive panel takes a closer look at how general counsels can best manage the risks and challenges in today's landscape. CLE credit will be available. To learn more and find out how to attend, visit chicagobusiness.com slash events. This is the Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth. A Boeing 737-800NG plane operated by China Eastern Airlines crashed Monday in the southwestern Chinese province of Guangxi. There were 132 people on board, including nine crew members, and the plane crashed in a mountainous area near the city of Wuzhou, according to the Civil Aviation Administration of China. Eastern China Airlines said it will ground all of its Boeing 737-800 jets starting Tuesday. Radar tracking shows the plane descended steeply on an almost vertical trajectory. The jet involved was about six years and ten months old, according to flight radar. An emergency telephone assistance line for family was set up, and the carrier expressed its deep condolences to family of passengers and crew members on board. The carrier's website, mobile app, and some of its social media platforms were turned to black and white in a sign of mourning. The FAA said in a statement that it was aware of reports of the crash and is ready to assist in investigation efforts if asked. The Boeing 737-800NG model that crashed has a good safety record. The single-aisle jet is part of the era of planes that preceded the 737 MAX, which was subjected to a global grounding after two deadly crashes. China was the first major aviation market to ground the MAX three years ago after the second of the two fatal crashes that killed 346 people in total and was one of the last markets to see its return. 
A new report is out with ideas on how to turn North Michigan Avenue around after being impacted by e-commerce competition, the pandemic, and both actual and perceived crime levels. The 31-page report prepared by a panel formed by the Urban Land Institute offers a variety of solutions from crime control measures to new physical features like a bridge over Lakeshore du Sable Drive at the north end of the boulevard. The panel also recommends creating what was described as a grand public common stretching east from the water tower all the way to the drive. Crane's commercial real estate reporter Al Bigaloon notes in his reporting that for decades, the Mag Mile has been one of the top shopping destinations in the country, mentioned in the same sentence as Fifth Avenue in New York and Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. But today, the boulevard offers little to differentiate itself from a shopping mall. The report says, quote, most retailers on North Michigan Avenue can be found in any sizable suburban mall, and merchandising is largely identical to what shoppers can find elsewhere, including online. The report also notes that dining and entertainment options are also limited. The panel's report highlighted the importance of North Michigan Avenue to the Chicago economy, noting that in 2020, the sales tax drop for the zip code that included the Mag Mile resulted in a 23% loss in the city's total sales tax revenue that year. The Mag Mile's retail vacancy rate stands at 24.7%, down from 26% last year, but up from 12% in 2018, according to Cushman and Wakefield. Two of its big vertical malls, Water Tower Place and the shops at Northbridge, are both struggling. For example, Northbridge has lost so much value that an investor in the property recently transferred its stake to its partner and recorded a $28 million loss in the transaction. The panel also noted the Magmile sidewalks. The report recommends creating new seating and other sidewalk furniture, along with what they described as pocket plazas, to encourage people to stop, relax, and eat. Landlords could modify their buildings to allow retailers and restaurants to open up to the street with floor-to-ceiling windows and indoor-outdoor spaces. According to the panel, the city should also consider a new space for performances and programs within what was described as a public common by relocating the Department of Water Management's service yard and redeveloping a firehouse south of Water Tower Place, creating space for a public plaza east of the Museum of Contemporary Art. Further, the report also noted that the city could sponsor an international design competition for a bridge connecting the boulevard directly to the lakefront. But as Galoon also notes, fixing the Mag Mile will take money. The city council has already approved one of the panel's recommendations to create a special service area or special taxing district that would generate revenue to pay for various Mag Mile initiatives over the next three years. Longer term, the panel is pushing for a business improvement district, a similar funding mechanism, but one that would need state approval. Chicago-based private equity firm Toma Bravo agreed to acquire enterprise software company Anaplan in a deal valued at $10.7 billion. The firm will pay $66 a share in cash, according to a statement on Sunday. The deal, which has been approved by Anaplan's board, is expected to close in the first half of this year, and the company will be delisted from the New York Stock Exchange following its completion. The San Francisco-based company sells subscriptions for cloud-based business planning software and does analytics services for customers including Zillow and Vodafone. The Anaplan acquisition is among the latest in a recent string of major leveraged buyouts. Toma Bravo, for its part, has lately been focused on buying business software companies. Last year, Toma Bravo bought Proofpoint in a deal valued at more than $10 billion and also bought Bottom Line Technologies in an all-cash deal that valued the company at about $2.6 billion. 
Nielsen Holdings rejected an acquisition proposal from a private equity consortium saying the offer significantly undervalued the company. The proposal had valued the company at $25.40 per share, a price that doesn't, quote, adequately compensate shareholders for Nielsen's growth prospects, the company said in a statement. Bloomberg News had previously reported that Brookfield Asset Management had been working with Elliott Investment Management on the potential leveraged buyout of Nielsen. Shares of the company jumped nearly 40 percent last week after reports of a potential offer. Founded in Chicago in 1923 as a market measuring firm, Nielsen provides audience data services to many of the media industry's premier networks. Led by CEO David Kenney, the company had mixed results in adapting to the growth of streaming in the past decade. As we talked about in a recent episode of Crane's Daily Gist, Nielsen, whose North American headquarters remains in Chicago while its worldwide operation is based in New York, was privately held for about a decade before a 2011 IPO. And it's been criticized in the industry before and since for not moving fast enough to improve measurement of an increasingly complex TV and broader media market. Following the rejection of the acquisition bid, Nielsen plans to start buying back its own stock after having earlier approved a $1 billion share repurchase authorization, the company said in the statement. That's Crane's Daily just for now. Check in on our continuous news feed at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to today's guest, Crane's contributor, Graham Meyer. You can follow all of our conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your audio on demand. Please subscribe and don't forget to rate and review Crane's Daily Gist. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.